0: What's up and welcome into Lead Block. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how are you doing?
1: Doing great on this rainy day.
0: Rainy day. Killing, it's, it's destroying Columbia right canceled now. Everything's flooded. Classes. classes are canceled. Uh, so you're done yeah. for the day. That's got to be nice. I know, right? Um, got a very special guest in studio today. I would say the Lead Block's most loyal listener.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, ben Franks. Ben's joining us. How you doing, Ben?
2: What's up, man? good
0: to be here. Uh, we're going to be talking a little, do a little recruiting, a good bit of recruiting today since National Signing Day was, I guess the second National Signing Day was uh, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, well two days ago as you listen to this on Friday, but yeah we'll get into a good bit of Texas recruiting with Ben, he's a big Texas fan, and we'll talk about some of the Big 12 for next year, which is something we don't we don't talk about the Big Twelve too much. Nah. Um, mostly SEC. Well, let's let's get the J- venture one. out. I would say Big Twelve is probably yours and mine favorite conference outside of the SEC as far as excitingness. Because we talk about the Big Twelve a decent bit.
1: Yeah, I don't really watch any of the other ones because uh, so far I would miss the game, stuff like that. Unless it's like whenever uh, Utah almost made it to the
0: playoffs. Yeah, like big big ton's Big Ten's easily the second best conference. Like SEC is definitely one and uh, Big Ten is definitely two. But then as far as exciting games, Big 12 is probably number one. Um, Um, Points being scored. I mean, I would say SEC, uh, Big 12, 1A, 1B, either way you want to put them. But we're going to start with this Jordan Birch thing. This thing has been
1: blowing me. This thing is, like, it's so funny because it's like, okay, he signed. I think even the Spurs Up show, shout out to Chris Derling, I think his name is. Anyway, I saw It's like, okay, he's officially a game card. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, this, that, and the third. And then one thing I've been meaning, hopefully is does derail people, but a lot of times guys, whenever they do National Signing Day, whenever they sign National Ever 10, that's already signed and faxed to the office or yep. whatever. And so they just sign a piece of paper just for, like, ceremonial purposes. But the weird thing here is that he still has this uh, national letter of intent still has not been sent to, uh, I guess, the football department.
0: Uh, no. So Jordan Birch, we've talked about Jordan Birch a few times now. If you if you don't remember, Jordan Birch is the number one recruit in the state of South Carolina. Yep. Uh, he is committed to, on on the December signing day, December 17th, 18th, whatever that day was, he verbally committed to the University of South Carolina, did not sign the national letter of intent. Um Basically, the national letter intent for people who don't know just locks you into that school. Like, you officially signed to that school. You are going to X school. Right. You know? Um, but you, are, you aren't you con- are considered an official commit until you sign that piece of paper. You, until then, you're a recruit. Uh, and from what we learned from Jordan Burch yesterday, or what happened at Hammond, Hammond School, uh, so there's four or five guys that were signing with South Carolina. There's a lot I, of guys... They were, they were probably, what What would you say, Hammond probably had eight or nine guys sign with football programs yesterday, maybe more.
1: Yeah, a lot of walk-ons and stuff, but still to be signed to Division I school is a big time.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, Hammond's one of the biggest private school in the state, maybe the second biggest, but I, I know for a long time they were the biggest private school in the state. They have had just years and years of football success. I know at one point... Um, During my high school career, they had won, like, four or five straight Skiza 3A titles. Yeah. Uh, Incredible talent in pretty much every sport. I mean, they just dominate everything as far as uh, the Independent School Association goes. Um, Yeah, so they have a few guys coming to Carolina. Alex Huntley, probably the second biggest outside of Jordan Birch. Four-star guy. Uh, He's in the top ten for offensive or what, guards, right? Uh, in the nation, t- according to Twenty Four Seven, he signs with South Carolina, and we're thinking we're getting. And Huntley had said, and a few other guys had said in December. You know, it was some kind of Hammond rule where they don't sign until February. Yeah. So none of those guys could sign the national letter intent until February anyway. Uh, if you go to Hammond, they all verbal committed to South Carolina, and then Jordan Birch is big big time recruit, big big time recruit, biggest recruit the school has had. In quite some time. Yeah. Um, And you get him saying he's coming to South Carolina, doesn't sign the letter of intent. Then Wednesday, he recommits to South Carolina, but nothing is really happening. He didn't sign the national letter of intent. South Carolina has, you got 25 spots you can sign. Yeah. There are 24 signed. There is one guy left. The reason you can can confirm, I, I mean, I've seen back and forth and back and forth with, Different reporters saying Birch has signed, Birch has not signed. He has not signed. Muschamp would have said his name at this point, and the Gamecock football account would have tweeted him out. They cannot do that until he signs. That would have been a huge thing that they made. You know, excuse me. They would have made a huge hype up video for him and threw it out on Twitter. We would have seen it as soon, just like they did with Huntley and every other commit we got from Wednesday. Uh, here in Columbia.
1: And did, I don't know if you heard champs. I think one of the reporters asked him, like, so what's going on? He's like, you have to ask them. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, you had to ask his camp. And I thought it was so weird because Muschamp was literally in the building for the National Signing Day because obviously his son goes to school there. And he's like, dude. And then the way he phrased it, uh, Birch, he said, I'm going to school with my friends. What did he say? He's like, I'm going
0: to. I don't uh, know his exact words, but his words were something along that. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go to school with my friends.
1: But it's like, so usually you would say the University of South Carolina. Everybody, you know, yay, cheer. But it was just like, this is odd. There was a South Carolina
0: hat on. Has a South Carolina tag on his name. Same.
1: I'm hearing though that that he really didn't know what he wanted to do, and so he kind of took some bad advice. But the whole ceremony was kind of—I mean, obviously it was built on Huntley and other guys. But the reason a lot of the cameras and stuff were there was because of him. So it was a real odd situation. But I'm telling you what—if I'm Coach O or the LSU fan base, the longer this goes, the more exciting I'm getting because it's like, oh, okay. The f- the, his
0: first—I can guarantee you, his first call as soon as that ceremony ended was Ed run. Yeah. I, I can guarantee you that he was Ed. Uh, Ed called him immediately. And he's already got all of his other guys signed, right? They're LSU signing top recruits left and right. I think they got the number four class in the country.
1: One of the other recruits are even tell him, hey, come be our roommate. This, uh, is, this is big.
0: Here's my problem with Birch. I You have been recruited since you were in middle school. <laughs> it is time to make a big decision. I mean, we uh, you sent me a clip earlier. Tom Lugenbilt's talking about it this morning, I think on ESPN Upstate or ESPN Radio with Greg yeah. McElroy um, on, on Sirius, not Upstate. Uh and he's basically saying you know kind of the same thing is you you have been recruited since you were 7th 8th 8th grade you have known this is not since september you've been being recruited and you have to make this decision out of thin air you've had years and years and years to make this decision and for you to just kind of just keep telling fans that you're coming to their school without committing you're just you're you're toying with them and more importantly you're kind of toying with it's disrespectful to the coaching staff Either you want to come to South Carolina or you don't be straight up about it. But this extra two or three weeks in February is not going to change your mind. You know, at this point, so make your decision, grow up, decide to be a man, either come to school at South Carolina or don't, but just say what your decision is. And it's, I get, I've heard a lot of outside pressure from people talking about his family, specifically his mom. Um, but you have to sit down with yourself at some point, look yourself in the mirror and say, do I want to stay here? Or do I want to go somewhere else? And it, I mean, that's a big decision to make at 18. But you are going to be one of the you are already one of the biggest stars in college football, especially in South Carolina, especially around the South Carolina football program. And you would be the same at LSU because you are such a talent and you have been that big talent. You have been the best player on your football team your entire life. The pressure of being in the spotlight is nothing new to you. The spotlight's getting a little bigger. But it's time to make a decision, and that to me is the frustrating part to this thing because you know for so long where you're being recruited, and you you have had plenty of time to make your decision. And if you just don't know yet, come out and say, you know what, I'm just not ready for it yet. I'm still thinking about it, and that's fine. That's I. Uh, that would but be. But if you s- don't want to sign that letter, like that says, like to me, I like I'm not saying he's a bad kid or anything. I just to me it's like. You can't trust his commitment because it doesn't mean anything because he won't sign.
1: And it's putting a target on his back because now he's got a ball. Wherever he goes, you got a ball because now that you've put both these coaches after this – Obviously, since LSU don't feel like they're still making their way, I think they're a little bit more okay with it because they're like, okay, give them time, give them time. Because in, in my head, I picture it just like, okay, that uh, USC hat was on the table, and then like he put it on, but he just couldn't mouth the words that I'm going to USC, you know, get the paper signed whatever the case yep. may be. So it's like, okay, there's still some hesitation on there. I wonder how many calls he's getting from uh, Coach O and uh, Will Muschamp per day. I, I get the feel that Muschamp's about to be over this in a hurry, though.
0: Here's the thing, if I'm um, – and this is what I was telling maybe Brendan about this yesterday. If I'm Coach O, and this if the situation is flipped right, and South Carolina is the second team, yeah. And this and Jordan Birch is from Baton Rouge, and he went to school in Baton Rouge, and all of this stuff. And they're trying to get it. If I'm Coach O, who just won a national championship, I, I, I call him up. I'm like, look, dude, you either want to come here, or you don't. Offers on the table. Sign it or don't, but I'm I'm not calling you anymore. Like, yes. I've had enough of it. Yeah. If you're Will Muschamp, you cannot do that. You don't, <laughs> like, you aren't going to go get someone else. This is a massive co- recruit for your career. So you cannot, I'm sure it is driving him crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because
0: you cannot tell this kid to screw off. Because he is going to be a big, big, this is your biggest statement of the offseason, Jordan Birch. He's going to be your biggest recruit since you got here. Like, this is – South Carolina has re, recaptured the state, which we'll talk about in a minute. They have – they are taking – they have the best recruits from South Carolina in a school where the other big state school has won two national championships in the past four years. Yeah. South Carolina has out-recruited Clemson in the state of South Carolina this year. That is massive. Now, does Clemson necessarily need all the recruits in South Carolina? No. But, like, you have defeated the, your rival school in recruiting in your own state where they have every advantage. One could this, say a lot is weighing on that, and you need him, so you have to keep going along with whatever he wants.
1: One could say whatever Spurrier was doing really great here, that, that that's one thing he was able to accomplish. That was the formula was winning the state, so it was like the formula's intact here. I have the kid with the hat on, but he just won't say it. Yes, I'm sure that coaching staff is going crazy. And also, one thing kind of interesting: USC does play LSU next season in Baton Rouge, yep. so he'll be on the field. The question is, what colors he'll be wearing? Look,
0: if you're a South Carolina fan and this kid commits to LSU, you have. <laughs> Don't go on his DMs and wish him death threats, but you have every, every, every reason to hate him as a player. I'm glad you went ahead and hate him
1: not do that. Yeah, don't, um, I
0: mean, there's no reason to, like, tell the kid you're going to kill him. I mean, that's, don't, you don't need to say anything about his mom, or his, you know, his girlfriend, if he has one, or his brother, sister, whatever. You don't need to say anything about anyone himself, but... It is completely fair to boo the crap out of this kid if yeah. you see him and he doesn't come here because he has strung you along for so long now, and if he ch- flips, like it, it is gonna is really it's gonna hurt your recruiting class that South Carolina has here, and he's you just got like you just he's just playing with you. Yeah,
1: it's kind of put your fans on an emotional roller coaster. It'd be interesting Absolutely. if that game would have been in Columbia because then it'd be like you literally have to come. Oh, he would
0: get destroyed
1: and yeah. then also i i was i was thinking it's kind of crazy how like how crazy some fans are i forgot what player it was it decommitted from a school and then it's one of the fans because you know you only one torn acl for like a career any in the injury is that uh, like, xavier
0: thomas it, it?
1: it might be but it's like these people are ruthless and then you go to their bio and it's like not nah, a picture of like a cartoon or something that's like really bro yeah but this is i guess one could say for him this is He's finally, re- maybe he's always known, but he's realizing how serious of a matter recruiting is. He's like, this is Better not no it joke. out. And it's crazy that he's literally in Columbia. So, like, he's feeling the heat. You go to the gas station. Yeah. Oh, dude, what are you doing? You're playing around with us. It. Like, this is a real thing, and he's, like, right in the middle of it. So I, I think that would make it extremely hard to go the other way, too, because it's like you literally live in the city and the state of the college program you'd be kind of decommitting from. Yeah,
0: see, like, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about Birch. Like, it's, and I kind of said it a minute ago, you have known for so long what college football is about. You can't play ignorant or dumb at this point. Yeah. You know more about how recruiting works than anyone outside of college football. I'm talking media, media included. They haven't been recruited. I mean, I guess some certain, g- guys, certain yeah. some guys have been at some point. But not in today's not recruiting. The student, no. Uh, the people who have been recruited in the Twitter world have not gotten to media yet. They Because they're still playing football. Yeah. Um you have known for so long about recruiting and about where you're going to go you've been thinking about this decision your entire life and it has been you've been thinking about it seriously at least for the last three years Yeah. so to say that you're not ready is okay but come out and say you're not ready instead of just screwing around and not signing the national letter of intent because if you have no intentions to go to a school don't, don't say that you do that be my, and I'm telling you, is if you're a South Carolina fan, you should be. I, there is a lot of stuff happening on Twitter right now between Gamecock fans who are so sure that he's coming here. He is. He is not for sure coming here. Yeah. I would like I said last week, eighty percent South Carolina. I would bump it down to like sixty five <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, I'm almost at like a, probably like a fifty two and a forty eight. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. And also, one
1: thing to consider, because I remember Jadavion Clowney, whenever he decided to come to USC, it was like April, March-ish, right?
0: It, was it pushed it back. Well, Clowney also had some academic issues where he couldn't get out of. He wanted to come to South Carolina, and he had full intentions of come to South Carolina. But he had to get his high, high school GPA above a two or two point. Jadavion's not the biggest books, guys. Yeah. So, but on the football field, one of the smartest people there is. Yeah. And, and actually, I would say common sense, too. Like, he's a pretty smart common sense guy. Book guy? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he, um, we, yeah, Jadavian, he, he pushed his back as well.
1: Yeah, so the signing day goes from February 5th, 2020, obviously, to April 1st, 2020 for Division one. August 1st for Division two. So now the question is going to be, like, do you think this happens within the next couple days?
0: Uh, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me to wait until April 1st at this point. So he has until April 1st to sign. We'll see. Um we'll move on from Jordan Birch and we'll stick with a little bit of the Hammond theme. Um Jackson Muschamp is at Hammond. He is Will Muschamp's son. He was a quarterback. He had been recruited by uh, Harvard at some a lot of like you know smaller D one schools. FCS level. Yeah, FCS level, and, and he's not by no stretch of the imagination is he Jake Fromm or even Ryan Wolinski or you know he, he's a decent quarterback. Uh, he committed to Colorado State like two weeks ago, I think. And I'm listening to Will Shan talk about this yesterday, and he's like, yep. He commits to Colorado State He uh, because we had some connections there, and he got an offer. And he says, he calls me like the next day, and he says, Dad, look, I don't think, he's, he said, I'm figuring out how far away this is from home. I don't want to do this. And he said, all right, well, you need to call the coach right now and tell him you're not coming. Yeah. See, that's the kind of story that, like, you, you have to think about if you're someone, like, Birch, now I get Jackson Muschamp and Jordan Birch have lived a completely different life. Yeah. Uh, Because Muschamp is, you know, is a football coach. But at the same time, like, that's the level of just kind of honesty that you want to see in a recruit as a football coach. Is like, for him to say you're not coming to your school, that's fine. It's not going to kill you. You're going to move on to the next kid. But it was just simple call and say, hey, I'm not coming. Like, sorry. Here's why if you want and if it helps you sleep at night. But I just can't do it. And it's fair. But now he'll, anyway, he'll go be a preferred walk-on at Georgia. I just like the way that, like, the must-champs have kind of handled this. Because Jackson and Will both came out and were like, like, he didn't want to play where I was coaching, Uh, Will said. He's like, he told me a long time ago, like, he didn't want to play where I was coaching because he would only be playing because I was there, and he would only be not playing because I was a coach there. And he said, you know what, 100% agree with you. Wherever you want to go, you can go. I'll support you 100%. Um, so it was never going to be Jackson Muschamp South Carolina. And I'm not saying that South Carolina is missing out on a five-star recruit here. But it, it's. I just kind of like how they handled it. And it was a cool story to where Jackson was like, I don't want to go be under your wing at South Carolina for the next four years and just have everyone think that I'm only there because you're there.
1: Yeah, especially with him getting the preferred walk-on role. It'd be like, oh, yeah, literally, you're just there. Because that's a lot of times what a lot of people don't like about the Clemson yeah. program with Dabble and his sons playing yep. on the team. But, yeah, so going uh, under to a different program, probably have some success. Probably, as a matter of fact, beat your dad uh, for some SEC East crowns. Yeah, clowns. It,
0: I mean, it would be cool to see in two or three years if Jackson Muschamp gets to take the field. And him and Will Muschamp actually gets to play each other. Because right now, I would say with the recruiting class, Georgia's role the number one recruiting class in the nation, Jackson Muschamp is probably <laughs> never going to see the field it, it, at this unless he makes some serious improvements because the guys he has above him are just immensely talented.
1: Yeah, and I also I was also going to say, I watched Jackson play because obviously he plays the skis level. The talent isn't the best. No. I saw them play AC floor. And the only passes he really completed were to uh, Birch at receiver. So, I was like, this is a little bit less than I was expecting. Then they played that top team out of – are they out of Michigan? I
0: have not. earlier sure, in the I year in the high school. You. I do Rangers. remember them playing a, a top team.
1: And he threw a, a lot of interceptions. So, I was like – so, it kind of showed me like he wasn't on that level necessarily. But I'm sure there's plenty of good coaching at Georgia. So, he'll probably start the scout team guy, just kind of – Yeah, learned. he'll probably
0: play scout team and just have a fun, like, college career – like, college life and be like, yeah, I'm Will Muschamp's kid, but I chose to go to Georgia anyway. Um, the bars. Great yeah, I mean, I'm sure there. Will threw a few jabs at him the other day and was like, I mean, yeah, you're going to go there. They just lost us this year. I mean, you're never going to win. Kirby sucks, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that'll be – I mean, it'll be fun to hear about the – if Muschamp stays at South Carolina, it'll be kind of cool story going down the road where you talk about, like, on game week, Will Muschamp will get asked about it ten times by the media and he'll get pissed off about it eventually. Uh, so, something, something fun will come out of that. But back to South Carolina, big day for South Carolina. They got the number one – JUCO running back in the country. He's a Quandary white. Kid uh, comes out of Yeah. He comes he goes to high school in Florida, commits to Florida State, uh, played a little linebacker there, and then he spent the last year at Iowa Western Community College, originally a four-star um, running back out of high school, or a four-star player out of high school. Uh, but now he's coming to South Carolina. This is a big get. I mean, this is number one JUCO running back. You add a little bit of experience to a running back team that depth that is that is deep, but doesn't have a lot of experience. Remember, you still got uh, Marshall Lloyd. And he uh, – so you have him coming in next year. He's one of your biggest offensive – probably your biggest offensive recruit. And now you have the number one Juco running back in the country coming in as well with a little bit of experience. And, and plus some of the guys you still have left over here from last year. There's not a lot of experience there. But for Thomas Brown, he he just got a raise this offseason. He's definitely proven his worth.
1: Yeah. So when did will he hit campus this summer?
0: Uh, in the summer, yes, I believe. Okay, gotcha. So it'd be interesting to see
1: why they maneuver there this spring and then whenever he gets, if he could come in and potentially play for a spot. Because he's bloody hungry. He's been to Juco. Once some guys go yeah. from Juco, those guys are extra motivated.
0: But South Carolina's pulled in a lot of Juco guys over the last few years, especially on defense, especially in the defensive backfield.
1: How do you like it, Juco guys? And it
0: seems to work really good. I mean, I think Juco's a good route to go. Like, you can... There's not as much pressure in the recruiting world. Not as many people keep up with Juco guys. But, like, here's guys that just went to the wrong program, didn't fit, or maybe they had something go wrong for them in their personal life and they found their way out of JUCO school and they're on their way back. You know, I mean, some of the best players we've ever seen in college football have been JUCO players. Yeah. Cam, Cam Newton. He's, he's the obvious one. But there are other guys out there. And it's, it's cool to, like JUCO recruiting, like, stories aren't as big as high school by far. I think in the next 10 years, you will see that move up in Juco DG just as legit as far as how well it's followed as high school recruiting is.
1: Yeah, I agree. I hope, um, looking forward to. I don't know if they're doing Last Chance U again, but that was. I'm really glad they brought that series to Netflix because it kind of shows people. Although they say it's nothing really like that, it's a lot different at a lot of schools. Because that school is like one of the better ones as far as facilities and things of that nature. But it's nice to see somewhat of what guys talk about whenever they say stuff like, "If you can make it out of JUCO, you can make it out
0: of anywhere." Absolutely. And the other, like I said earlier, Alex Huntley was the other big get yesterday of South Carolina out of out of Hammond, uh, number four recruit in the state. South Carolina finishes up right now with the 18th ranked class from 24-7. Um, I mean, so pretty good recruiting year. Top 20. Your in-state rival is number four. So, number th- number four, right? Because you got Georgia number three. Yeah. Georgia, Alabama ahead of uh, Clemson. But, yeah, it's it, a pretty good recruiting class for Will champ. A lot rests rest on getting Jordan Birch though. Um, you wanted to talk about Kirby Smart's comments. What was Kirby's that today smart. or yesterday yeah. that he said something? Go ahead, say what he said.
1: Alright, well I'm going to give you the general pitch I don't have a word for word But anyway, so Kirby Smart is basically saying That he kind of likes the uh, guys The grad, grad, not grad assistants Grad transfers Grad transfers When they come in They're a little more focused They're in the recruiting process Because now they're, they're not as much looking to be recruited But like, okay, what can y'all do for me? Let me find the best system that I fit in And where I could probably get play time And let me go there So I like the idea of that I think you're a little bit older So you're a little bit more mature When you're mm-hmm. making your decisions So you might not look at like Maybe before you're looking at facilities, uniforms But now it's like okay, forget all that. How's the offensive
0: line? I just want to be successful.
1: Yeah, how does this program fit me the best, especially now that you're more mature and have been doing this? And you kind of know a little bit more so, maybe at the collegiate speed, about like how you like things to operate, the program values you want, and things of that nature. So I'm a fan of it, but I hear you I, No, say that.
0: No, I'm a fan of that. But I wasn't a fan of Kirby's – I'm not all the way bought in on Kirby's comment like he says it is on the face of it. Yeah. So Kirby does – he said – I got his exact wording right here. It says, the fact that they have graduated college – and this, um, their quarterback that they just got graduated from Wake Forest. These kids understand what they want. You know why Kirby Smart likes transfer quarterbacks? Why? Because he can't coach a quarterback. <laughs> Look at what happened to Jake Fromm over the last three years. Jake Fromm came in was one of the best quarterbacks in the country and just depreciated in his time at Georgia. Uh, someone could say the same about some of the quarterbacks we've seen here in South Carolina over the last few years. Defensive quarter coaches have got to figure out a way in the sec to find someone who knows how to coach a quarterback because quarterback value at georgia is depreciating like crazy you, you had eason transfer out you had fields transfer out like you've got to find someone and they don't want like they can go get a grad transfer because we have this whole new transfer market thing it's just like black, portal. black market recruiting basically <laughs> it's like logging on the dark web and that you get your recruits there instead of off of amazon yeah it's it's a great place to find recruits but for Kirby to sit there and preach like, yeah, I like these guys because they kinda know what they want and they want to find something that works for them. No, dude. You just want someone that someone else has already coached because you don't have to coach them then. You can just plug in your scheme because you can't coach a quarterback. Okay. That was my that was what I was saying earlier. We were kinda talking back and forth on Twitter about this. It's like Kirby just he like he needs someone to do that part for him and he needs to go find a coach who knows how to coach a quarterback and get him at Georgia. Because yeah, he hasn't had that. Because
1: it's like when this guy, like Newman, shows up, it's like he's already got the fundamentals down packed. And it's like, just he learns his system and he can do whatever versus getting a guy out of high school and him having to, like, progress him throughout it. Which makes me think, I wonder how much um, Muschampson son will progress. Uh,
0: I, we'll probably never see him. But it's just yeah, in the I, back I, of my head. I, I don't I even think out. it matters. I think if Jackson really wants to play, he'll transfer out of Georgia because just because Georgia's going to keep reeling in top quarterbacks in the nation. And their talent won't progress that much. But their bare naked talent will be better than most people's can ever be.
1: I wonder, anyway, I wonder how much recruits or even like their fathers, if they're in the picture, as far how much they pay attention to stuff like that.
0: I have no clue, man. I really don't. I, I honestly think that uh, the reason he went to Georgia is because it's where his dad went. It's where he, you know, he probably grew up a fan of Georgia. Um, both, I mean, both his parents went there, and he just wanted to go beat Georgia, whether it meant him playing football or not. And he chose to go be there. That's that's kind of what I think would happen with Jackson this but, yeah, it's like Kirby just saying that he likes guys because they're already co- – he's basically just saying, look, this guy's already coached up. I don't have to coach him? Good, because I'm not good at coaching quarterbacks. Here we go. Let's plug him in. Not that all this crap about how they've already graduated college and they're more mature. I mean, all of those things are true, but that's not the real reason he wants to transfer quarterbacks. Uh, and as we keep going on and on with the years of Georgia, uh, Kirby at Georgia, I like to like Kirby less and less because he just he, – he hasn't been able to get it done. And if you look at any of his football teams, he should already at least have one national championship. Like, it shouldn't be a question. But he's, he's not, like, he can't beat Nick Saban, and it's in his head, and I don't think he'll ever beat Nick Saban. And if he does, he'll lose the next week to someone else. So we'll find out this year, because Georgia does play Alabama in the regular season, like how real they are. But it, it's just, I, I don't think Kirby is going to win a national championship at Georgia, because if you watch the way he coaches on offense, he's so scared to let players play football.
1: And Newman's a really good quarterback. He was airing it out even at Wake Forest, so it's going to be like it's going to be kind of obvious this year. It's like if he has that kind of success, although Wake Forest competition is probably uh, but they do have nice targets and the guy can make those guys look good. So it'll be interesting to see what Newman can do at UGA and SEC East.
0: Absolutely. All right. We're done with that. We're going to get into it with Ben now on, on a little bit of Texas talk, we'll talk a little Texas recruiting, talk a little Big 12. Uh, so Texas this year rolls in the number nine, cl- as of right now. Uh, so we're at the almost final rankings of recruiting classes. The number nine class in 24-7. All right, so your top recruit out of Texas this year, I'd say John Robinson, coming out of this class. Committed in December. Five-star, yes. number one running back in the country, Tucson, Arizona. Offers Texas, Southern Cal, Arizona, Ohio State, Alabama. What are you expecting out of John Robinson?
2: Uh, I think he could come in and make an immediate impact. Last year we had uh, some depth problems at running back. Obviously we had to play a true freshman quarterback at running back. Yeah, he did, he did pretty good for his situation, but obviously that's not what you want. That's not your ideal situation. No, I mean Texas obviously needs to
0: make big splashes in I mean all facets of the game, right? Last year they come out, they preached DBU. Joe Barrow throws up 40, 40-something points on him. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you heard enough about that from me over the last six months or so. Definitely. But it, and then you just have struggle after struggle after struggle down this down the stretch where their defense can't get right and their offense can't get right and Sam Ellinger sucks and he just can't figure it out. Here's a kid, his freshman year, we thought he was gonna be the next, you know, Colt McCoy, and now he's looking like I don't know, like
2: Case McCoy. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically.
0: So you pull in Robinson, and as far as recruiting goes, your other one of your other big recruits is a quarterback. As we're getting on Sam Allinger, you get the number two and number three dual threat running back or quarterbacks in the nation. Hudson Card is in. He's already in Texas. He's already. He's, so he's going to be playing spring ball, an early and early four-star guy. Number seven recruit from the state of Texas, Officer Texas, Bama, Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona State. Hudson Card. Is he going to – I I don't think he's going to play this year, honestly. I think you're going to see Sam Allager for 12, 13, 14 games, how many ever they play.
2: Yeah, cool. I believe Sam will start majority of the season unless something he plays really off or injury or anything. His backup, Casey Thompson, I believe is very talented, and I remember him from the spring game. He seems like he has a lot more arm talent than Sam. But – I think Tom Herman tends to go with his more experienced guy that knows the offense, that knows the big game situation over more so the talent. Do you think Tom Herman has
0: the balls to throw in Hudson Carter? No, because I don't. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because I
2: believe his job is on the line, so he wants to go with the experienced hand that can knows how to react from mistakes and can overcome the when they're in an underdog situation, how to overcome... That type of situation.
1: Wait, so do you? So you believe that Tom Herman might be on the hot seat in Austin?
2: Yes,
0: I'm with you. I you love Tom Herman. I know you love Tom Herman. I I like Tom Herman coming out of Houston a lot, but Tom Herman's first first two years in Texas didn't treat me so well. Okay. So well, I guess his, his second year was pretty good, right? They won the Sugar Bowl at beat Georgia.
2: His, yeah. His
0: third year has not been very good. No. Was not very good at all. And I think now you are looking at. The end of Tom Herman's days at Texas, unless he can figure out a way to win nine or ten games this year.
1: That is a hard thing to do at Texas. It seems like this is a tough job. Like, obviously, everybody, you know, you want the job, you have a lot of money, the facilities, and all the things of that nature. But to actually get that program turned around, did you see that thing Tom Herman was doing when he first got to? Uh, Texas as far as like the hot dogs or the players that weren't very good and stuff like that. He was doing a lot of things like that. Yeah. Psycho, psycho, How do you say Psychological. Psychological. There you go. To get them to like understand like, okay, this is how things are going to be done. And to, if you want to join this group, you have to put in
0: extra work or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think. Do you think Tom Herman's the right guy moving forward?
2: I believe he is. Now, whether or not he has the time to kind of work out the kinks, I don't think, that's I don't a different think question. Like I think with the way cultural Ball's is going with, you know, you saw Kirby in his first year, how quickly Saban turned around or even LSU situation where Joe Brady came in in one year and changed the whole program pretty much. Yeah. People want immediate results. So when you have the history that Texas does and the way that their fans are kind of brought up and thinking we're the elite program of college football. We need to win now. You're not even the elite program of the
0: state anymore.
2: That's debatable.
0: This year, I'll tell you, All right, I got this written down because I knew you were going to hate that comment.
2: It's very debatable. This
0: year, Texas has not been the elitist program in the state. I think you have two programs that are better than you in in the state of Texas. At least two. Maybe SMU's better. Texas A&M is the number one recruiting team. Recruited Texas better than anyone else. Texas A&M this year, they they signed. So Texas signs the number one running back in the country. Yeah. Texas A&M, listen to this. Signs, number one, all of these are commits. Number one wide receiver in Texas. Number one DB in Texas. Number one quarterback in Texas. Number one defensive end in Florida. Number one linebacker in Louisiana. Number one defensive tackle in Mississippi. Number one linebacker in Missouri. Number one defensive end in New Jersey. Number one defensive tackle in New Jersey. Number one wide receiver in North Carolina. Number one DB in Illinois. Number one offensive lineman in Arkansas.
1: Jimbo Fisher, I, I figure whenever he went there, he got things going in his direction. He makes a lot of demands, but he definitely is a really good recruiting truck. And I was waiting to hear if he had the number one quarterback from someplace. Because, you know, he goes out and gets guys like Jameis Winston, gets them a little bit, maybe a little bit rougher on the edges, and turns them into NFL quarterbacks.
0: And then <laughs> my favorite thing, so I found that from Texags, Texas Texags, uh covers Texas A&M. They're, I mean, they're one of the best as far as like college football covering media outlets. Texas is probably like one of the best in the country. Uh, the way they they cover Texas AM. And <laughs> and I get a quote tweet from an LSU account that says all that hard work to be eight and four. Uh, <laughs> so, but I don't think like you're gonna get any better. I think yeah a And seven five this year, but the five the teams they lost to were better than you know, like anyone else is on anyone else's schedule. But Texas on the other hand is trying to make a change, and I don't know if I see that change happening this year. So even though you sign Hudson Card, uh, oh, I don't. Let's step back a second. Hudson Card. I have a fact about Hudson Hudson Card. Okay. From Lake Travis High School. Same high school as. Baker Mayfield. That's what I thought. Yep. Baker Mayfield. So they're Out big, of Austin, uh, Texas. Yeah, their big rival is Westlake. Yeah. Drew Brees, Nick Foles. Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Uh, there's like four or five other guys. You can. There's an article I found today. If you type in maybe Lake Travis alumni. On Google, you can find an article from some Texas newspaper, um, and you can see the best like players that have come out of that rivalry. They're like Lake Travis and Westlake are the biggest rival, like in that area. They're each other's biggest rival, Um, and the list of like NFL talent on that article. It's ridiculous.
1: Couple things. One, I mean, think about it. You could be looking at the backup could be the next Baker Mayfield because that's how he came out. And then secondly, I, especially in this day and age, wherever everybody's fathers are trying to get your sons in, you, you do the quarterback training from the time you're not time you're born, like five years old, all the way up to high school. It's like you are probably trying to move, maybe potentially, to, or at least transfer your students into that school just so, because of I have really nice facilities. I'm sure, and Absolutely. not to mention it's like the coaching and stuff. Like they see these guys on Saturdays. It's like that's the school. They're got him there. Yeah. And it's consistent like you're seeing multiple cases of it.
0: Who's the other kid you're telling me telling me
2: about? Jaquindon Jackson. He's more of a traditional dual threat quarterback where his main talent level is running the ball more so than throwing the ball. I believe Hudson Card's more of a throwing quarterback even though he's listed as a dual threat. Yeah. But Jaquindon Jackson very talented running the ball, but he tore an ACL back in December in the playoffs. And his Availability next year to get some playing time or practice time it is in doubt. So that's obviously going to give Hudson Card the huge advantage with him coming in as an early in Royally And Jaquin and Jackson has to wait, uh, rehab his injury. Medical so, or, um,
0: Just straight redshirt for. Yeah, you know, that's going to be a year.
2: big leg up for a huge Hudson Card. And that's
1: um, a tough rehab. I think a lot of times everybody just assumes like the ACLs are like, oh, you know, bitch, they're becoming so common. But that is a tough injury to rehab. Like literally, depending on where you are mentally, like that's going to test you. That's going to, d- depending upon how good you are, you may not ever encounter that kind of test. But I think it's going to test you for sure.
0: Hey, listen, yeah. dude, I don't give them a handicap sticker like you got with your knee or with oh, your hip uh,
1: Shout out to the people at the DMV.
0: <laughs> 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 so I, I want to talk about, I just brought it up again. And I brought it up once already. I want to talk about this uh, this recruiting map, if I can find it real quick. It talks about the, who won. Oh, I saw that. I what saw state. That. I think I retweeted it or something.
1: Clemson won the state of Florida. I thought that was interesting. That's what I want to
0: talk about. I did retweet it. That's and then
1: why. Jeff Scott ends up going to Florida to be a coach. Of, what is that? Uh, South Florida. Uh, yeah, South Florida. So I'm sure. And he used because he was the guy that got Rare McLeod, Dion McCain, and our is Scott off from the oh, state yeah. of Florida Yeah, so. so here you go it's Great based receivers. on
0: who tweeted this out so I can, I can Alex Kirshner at Alex underscore Kirshner tweets out this map it's 2020's best recruiting team in every state so it's the team that best recruits each state uh, based on the top rated players signed in each state or signed in each school per 24-7 sports composite which is I believe to be the best recruiting outlet you get the weird ones Texas Texas A&M recruited best, which we just kind of went over. And South Carolina is owned by South Carolina. Yeah. Clemson owning Florida is just abysmal to me. <laughs> like, the fact that you have Florida and Florida State and Miami and even South Florida and UCF, and Clemson is the number one recruiter of talent in your state Yeah. is crazy.
1: Yeah. I heard this thing that Davos Sweeney does. They consider, like, obviously not for financial reasons, but they consider North Carolina and Georgia as the state of South Carolina, like as they're like their pipeline states. So I thought that was kind of weird. So, like, when they recruit those schools, they kind of consider it all, all in one bubble. But, yeah, that's actually that's, – that's crazy for Clemson. It's like, where I'm going there, we're going to turn uh this state's colors orange. They're
0: also uh, – they own the state of Maryland, too. So is that – yeah, that's Maryland. Um, They got Maryland as well, which is – I mean, like, for them to be able to control Florida and not their own state is crazy. But that's just, like, Clemson's able to walk into the state of Florida. And I get FSU is down and it's been down for a while. But Dan Mullen should be out recruiting Dabo Sweeney in his own backyard. Yeah.
2: I feel like Clemson's owned Florida for a while now.
0: But, like, I mean, yeah, they kind of have. But, like, it's just – I think it's, like, a perfect combination of Florida being down for a few years, Florida State being down for a few years, and Miami is just going to suck for the – like the rest of that school's existence, like Ed Reed, is not going to save him. and like you, you do have UCF like rising up, but they're not stealing athletes away from Clemson or Alabama <laughs> or Florida, even Florida or FSU.
2: But um, Clemson kind of built their foundation of what they have now on Florida athletes. You think CJ Spiller? Yep. Florida, Sammy Watkins. Florida. Those two guys came from Florida, and those were huge parts on getting them where they are now.
0: CJ Spiller, they just got him a nice house out by the lake. He we <laughs> walked on up from Florida. But then you got – so, like, the biggest thing is you don't see a lot of – I'm looking at this map. Georgia's, Georgia owns Nevada, which is weird. Arizona State owns California this year in recruiting. That is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. It should be embarrassing to every school in the Pac-12 other than Colorado and, the you know, the bottom of the barrel.
1: I'm not too sure that uh, what's the Pete Carroll didn't get on the phone and cuss him out like that is crazy to me because you know back whenever he was coaching there and for a large portion of I guess history California has been owned by the University of, South, of Southern Cal and so the fact that Arizona State Hermit is, Hermit, 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 Hermit is coming to California and he's alerting the troops so they got to get that together out there in Southern Cal uh, boy, and not just them UCLA with uh, Chip Kelly or you can even go uh, who's the coach at Cal Berkeley these days? Ah, uh,
0: God knows. So I mean, maybe they should bring back uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I want to say
2: it's an air raid guy. Because
1: for a while there, you know, you had Deshaun Jacksons, and uh, even at Cal Berkeley, you had Deshaun Jackson to Aaron Rodgers. Even though he came from a juco, and Marshawn Lynch is like, what are the schools in California doing out there? It's too much. Cal's space.
0: good every eight to nine years. Yeah. And or I would say eight to twelve years. They're they're good once every year. and they were a pretty decent team last year, but they like they're just never gonna recruit like Chip Kelly is at UCLA. Yeah. Southern Cal recruits itself, Stanford, Oregon, like any, any of those schools and you are all getting, yeah. like Oregon always recruits. Like if you're on the pack, you're in the pac 12, you're recruiting the state of California, Arizona state for Herm Edwards to walk into California and be able to dominate. It's just a sh- like, it's a shock to me. And it tells you what, you know, we we've talked about Herm a little bit uh, over the last few months. What he's been able to do at Arizona State, and for him to come out and just like, all right, we're going to go lock down state uh, California. California this year. <laughs> now he lost his own state to uh, Ohio State, but like you can't. I mean, you're not going to compete with Ohio State. But you also shouldn't be competing with the schools that you're competing for in California. Think about it, You're
1: leaving, like those kids are leaving the state of California with the good weather, whatever case, we'd go to Arizona.
0: Yep. Also, Georgia owns Nevada. Who owns Georgia? The state of Georgia? Auburn. So, Auburn. I mean, Auburn is, for all intents and purposes, eastern Alabama and Georgia from, like, is basically Georgia. Like, all of that is just one big state. You don't really separate into another yeah. state until you get to Tuscaloosa almost. But, yeah, it's for Auburn to be able to walk into Georgia's backyard, and Georgia has the number one recruiting team, recruiting class in the nation, but still by, on their state and, like, set some ground, like, set some stonework there is pretty impressive as well. Uh, but I don't, like, like all of these recruiting things, as we're sitting here talking about, like, all day we're doing recruiting, obviously because we had National Signing Day. Recruiting doesn't mean anything unless you can put a good product on the field, unless you can take a three-star recruit and make him a five-star athlete. That is far more impressive than being able to take a five-star athlete and make him a four-star athlete. Like, it, it's – and that's my worry here with the University of South Carolina is for the last several years now, we've seen Muschamp pull in good recruiting classes. But he hasn't done anything with them. And you've seen the same thing at Texas. Tom Herman pulling top 10 recruiting classes every year since he's been there. That, Didn't they pull in the number two class the first year he was
2: there? Uh I believe it was last year. Okay. But the thing is, is ever since Tom Herman's been there, they've pulled in the top recruiting class every year. Are they the top team in a Big 12? No. No.
0: That's the other thing I want to talk to you. I'm glad you mentioned that, because we're gonna we're gonna end on this. We're gonna end with a little Big 12 talk today. Big 12 like we said at the top of the show is I think one of the most exciting college uh, college football conferences to watch. A lot of people rip on the no defense, which they don't have any defense. But games with no defense are fun to watch. Yeah. I will watch a Big 10 a Big 12 game over most any Big 10 games, like as far as average the mediocre teams, the two most mediocre teams in the conference are playing. So, I don't know, pick your Iowa State from the Big 12 and name any other school and Purdue and Indiana in the Big 10. Medi- oh, Purdue might not even be mediocre. But you pick the most middle-of-the-road teams. I will take the Big 12 every day out of the week because they're just more exciting to watch because they don't play defense. Um, but you have like a conference now where for the last four or five years, every school is chasing Oklahoma. Who can be a solid number two to Oklahoma? I'm tired of seeing Oklahoma roll over the Big 12 because what happens is what happened this year. Every year, is Oklahoma gets to the college football playoff and they get beaten down. Other than the year that they, they lost to George and the Rose Bowl by two or three points. It's, it's every year. And Oklahoma cannot find a legitimate competitor until now. When Baylor, in this past year, found a legitimate competitor for the Big 12.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Go ahead, Matthew. No, I was about here. to
1: say, we're talking about they can't find a way to get it done, and that is with Heisman Trophy candidates and Heisman Trophy winners. So it almost makes you wonder who would be able to get the job done. I'm interested to see who Oklahoma's starting quarterback is going to be this year. Uh, I think it's that a lot of people speak very highly on Spencer Rattler. Who yes, Spencer Yeah,
2: I believe it will be Rattler.
1: Yeah, because they didn't bring in anybody off the grand transfer, did not No. Yeah.
0: First year and Spencer Rattler is the first like homegrown quarterback since it feels like Sam Bradford. It's been he's forever since. He's very
2: years. highly rated too. I believe he was top five quarterback coming out of high school.
1: He uh, he played in the Adidas All American game with Holinski. Oh,
0: did
2: yeah? yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: How I did never... you did you watch the game? Yeah, I
2: watched it. How did you see? Yeah, he he
1: looked good. I think he's got some promise.
2: Uh he came in at the end of the LSU game, I believe, didn't he?
0: I don't know. I I don't think know. He yeah, he did. He did. I didn't he watch did. the he end did. either. He yeah, Jalen Hurts came out for a little bit. He I def- mean, LSU was probably playing, I don't know, four personnel by then. Walk-ons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he
1: definitely had the. Co- he definitely has that confidence, even in the backup role. Like, yeah, he definitely has the confidence now. He needs opportunity. He'll get plenty of opportunity this spring
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's get a Big Twelve. I'll give you my predictions for the Big Twelve next year, and you give me yours because we haven't really talked about this yet. But uh, since we got you here. I'm, I'm guessing Big 12, Oklahoma is still going to finish first. The only team to actually challenge them is going to be Baylor. I do, I do not think Texas is going to challenge them next year. I think Texas is going to win nine games, maybe ten, but they're not going to beat Oklahoma. They might beat Baylor, but they're not beating Oklahoma. I just don't think they can. I, I don't think that they're over that hill yet. And I thought they were this past year after they went and beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, which Georgia didn't care about playing in the Sugar Bowl. It's Texas's big win in like ten years, but like they can't beat. Like I don't, I don't think they're over that hill yet.
2: What you got? I believe Oklahoma will more than likely come out on top because they have the coaching advantage with Lincoln Riley and his unbeatable system. But I believe Big Twelve unbeatable system. It's been beaten by the SEC. <laughs> Everyone else for the last... Yes, unbeatable in the Big 12. But I believe Texas will come in number two <laughs> because they have returning head coach, returning quarterback. Hopefully they'll be able to stay healthy on defense this year. If they had all that last year, they more than likely would have beat Baylor. Baylor's losing Matt Rule. Yeah, but
0: they're getting David Randall.
2: Matt Rule was the guy that all NFL teams almost wanted this year.
0: Yeah, but like. Dave Aranda. I, want I wanted to talk about Baylor with you because I know we see it different. Three quarters I of the year. You can't tell me you don't love Dave Aranda because I know you do.
2: Three quarters of the year, Dave Aranda's defense was not very good.
0: I would say – I wouldn't say a full three. I would say two-thirds. I would say 60%. <laughs> 66% down. <75. laughs> yeah.
2: That's fair, but but when his
0: defense needed to be, they didn't line up any points. Like they didn't give up anything after the Ole Miss game. They didn't give up crap. They give up crap to Texas A and They give up anything to Georgia. They give up anything to Oklahoma until the fourth quarter when mm. they had the walk. When they had the, the, Tyler Walters of the world playing and then, an LSU uniforms and on defense. And I mean they, they held Trevor. They made Trevor Lawrence suck. Trevor Lawrence looked
2: terrible. That is very true. Very so good those point. last
0: five or six games, Dave Aranda's defense was the best defense in the country. And no one saw it until after the Clemson game. I'm sitting there halfway through the game, and I'm like, oh, I guess LSU's pretty good at defense. Yeah. But they had. I mean, me and Matthew talked about their, their defensive backfield several times at the end of the season. Like, it, it's, it took him a while to get it going, but it, once he did, he did.
2: I think the way Matt Rule, the way he had success at Baylor, was not more so his X's and O's is that he's a great leader and can get the guys to buy in. Yeah. And. Perform well for him, kind of like the way Dabo does things.
0: Yeah, I mean, like also I think Dave Aranda
2: Dave Aranda just doesn't seem like a big, you know. Let's rally this team together. No, he does not.
1: He seems like they're all getting hyped up in the locker room. He's standing outside. Yeah. All right, guys, you ready to go? I'm the booth. Like, yeah, do you think he'll be yeah. on the field? Or do you think he'll be? uh Well, no, he's the well, yeah, coach. Yeah, coach. coach. Yeah, he'll, he'll be on be the be field. field. Yeah, I'm still thinking he's a coordinator. Y'all so, have convinced me. I'm going with Baylor.
0: I, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm riding Baylor next year. Yeah. I really think Baylor's going to be good. Do I think they're going to be as good as they were this year? No. They, no, they probably do lose a game early, and you don't see a 7-0 and Baylor. You don't see an 8-0 Baylor. You don't see undefeated Baylor against undefeated Oklahoma. That's not going to happen. And I think, like I said, I think, I think Texas can beat Baylor. but I don't, And I don't know when Texas plays Baylor. But I don't see Texas being able to challenge Oklahoma like Baylor would challenge Oklahoma because Baylor actually plays defense, and Texas is trying to play defense, but they are not there yet. And I don't think this offseason is going to get them
2: there. And they're bringing in a lot of new coaches this year for yeah, Texas. Yeah, like, and
0: you're never going to be, like, first-year new coaches. Like, first-year head coach, you can change a lot. First-year, a lot of defensive coordinators. The reason we're all, you know, kissing Joe Brady's ass this year is because he's the only person to ever turn around a program that fast as an offensive coordinator standpoint. Yeah. Like, mean- it, like it does that does not happen. No. Coordinators don't change stuff like that.
1: The only other person I know that can get wins that quickly probably is uh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer comes into programs and immediately but as a head coach. Change, yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely. Like it, that's what I'm saying. As a court, like coordinators don't change like I'm thinking that's what you're worried. That's what you're going to see at Texas. Is you have got to take two years to see a change from coordinator down. And I don't think Tom Herman's going to last another year.
2: But the new coordinators coming to Texas also doesn't have the talent to work with that Joe Brady had. He has first round talent everywhere on that team.
0: Yeah, but like, I also like, that's why I don't think, that's what will always be to me. You cannot, you will not be able to tell me Texas is back until Texas is the number one team in their state. And frankly, they just are not. They are not. They need to, by and far, Texas has always been the number one team in that state. Even when SMU was good in the 80s, Texas was way better. Like, I mean, SMU had really good teams. Texas, way better than A&M. When When I was growing up in my lifetime, Texas has never been even close to the second best team in
2: their state. I think that's a big thing prohibiting them from getting back, is they haven't h- ever had this kind of competition statewide. Yeah. You look at Tech; they even got a, a little leeway in recruiting with Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. I mean they do now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I,
0: I think they said I
1: forgot what it was the stat, but also one thing I want to ask you real quick: Who do you think replaces Colin Johnson for y'all?
2: Oh man, that's gonna be tough. We're losing Colin Johnson this year and Devin Duvernay. Um. The most the receiver I'm most excited about is a guy named Jake Smith. He reminds me a ton of Jordan Shipley. Okay. Back Jordan in the Colt, Mc- back yeah, in the Colt nice. McCoy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's more of a slot guy, kind of like Julian Edelman those ty- or Danny Amendola those type of guys. Explosive but, play guys. Yeah. I was talking about he's, team got, he's, he's got he's got some good moves. Not,
0: like to me, slot receivers don't exist anymore. Like, they're dying out. Now you just have explosive play guys because Debo's not lining up in the slot every down. Yeah. Like, he's lining up out wide. But
2: Tom Herman has historically had the big guys that are possession receivers because yeah. look who we had at Ohio State, State. Michael Thomas and Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott is not a wide receiver, better. but he's that big-time talent. But Michael Thomas is a big receiver that can go up and be physical and get the ball.
1: Yeah.
2: That he did against Alabama whenever Ohio State won a championship. I think Tom Herman, that's what he tends to go for, but he's also come in and in interviews this this year and said they will adapt the scheme to the personnel. So, I think he's more more than willing to, you know, maybe play the screen games or, you know, find short routes to get his guys in the space where they can make some moves and get an open field. Yeah, that's imp- and that's
1: important because that's what they were saying about Nick Saban. You have to be able to adapt to your talent. The last thing I want to say real quickly uh, is Clemson offensive coordinator Elliot. Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott, boom. He's making he's now the highest paid offensive coordinator. He'll make 1.6 million. After this year, he'll make 1.7 million annually. Then he will now be the only offensive coordinator for the team now that Jeff Scott is down to South Florida. And so I'd give him two years maybe and I think he'll be off to be the head coach someplace.
0: Um it's it doesn't surprise me that he's the highest paid. He probably deserves it. I don't know where in the hell Clemson's coming up with all this money to pay all their coaches because they probably have the highest payroll in all of football. Yeah,
1: between Brent, between the offensive coordinator being the highest paid defense coordinator, I'm assuming, and then now the, the Elliot being the highest paid offensive coordinator, and then Dabble's mega deal. Yep. It's like they're really getting it done. All
0: right, that's going to be it because we're, we're running a little bit long today. Um, but, Ben, thank you for coming on. Appreciate Good it. to have you in the studio. It's
2: Fun,
0: and we will be back on Monday, I believe. I think we're back on Mondays this week. Uh, and before we go, thank you to Ben Sound for the show's intro music, intro and outro music. Also, go follow Lee Block on Instagram and Twitter at Lee underscore Block. Go follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One with the number one, and myself at Tyler Walters C N R. Uh, make sure you're following the show. Tweet us at us, DM us, whatever, if you want anything talked about or discussed on the show. If you have any questions for us, uh, that will be a good place to find us, too. But until then, we will see you Monday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org.